Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty. In today's show, I'm talking about paradigm shifts to be in right relationship with the plants. Our herbal ally for the week is rosemary. And in the kitchen, we'll make a rosemary cranberry shrub. What is a shrub preparation, you may ask? Stay tuned to find out. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I have learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect with the plants that grow all around you. Reach out and tell me what you want to know or ask me a question about herbs and or health by sending me an email to healthyherbpodcast at gmail and I'll make sure to answer it or talk about it on the show. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. What does it mean to be in right relationship with a plant? The term right relationship speaks to the understanding of our well of our own personal well-being as it's connected with the well-being of others and with the earth. And also how the well-being of others is directly related with our own well-being. So how can we best understand and act from a place of right relationship? And in this case, I, I want to specifically talk about being in right relationship with the plant communities, individual plants, and the green world in general. It's kind of a big topic to undertake. And so today, I just want to skim the surface, talk about maybe some of the first entry points into entering into a right relationship with the plants. And in further episodes of this podcast, we'll dig in further. And I would love to hear um, any of your thoughts as well, and so that I could share those with our community. So just as any relationship is different from another, um, like a person-to-person relationship, you know, you're going to react and act differently to each person that you are in relations to. And this is the same with plants <clears throat> and animals and whatever else we are relating to, our local ecosystem, our environment. So it's not necessarily a set definition or a set experience, this being in right relationship. It's a learning, a growing an evolving and an expansive experience. I see it as a dance, as a spiral, maybe even as a pulsing spiral where we expand, <clears throat> excuse me, and contract and expand and contract. So the real question is how can we be of service to the other that we are in relationship to? And how can they help us? How can we live in symbiosis, which is we benefit each other. How can we give and receive with humility and gratitude? And I think this is especially important 
in herbalism and in herbal medicine is being in right relationship with the plants because when we approach the plants with humility and with gratitude, they are able to reciprocate and offer us so much more on so many <clears throat> levels, deeper levels. Um, it's really, there's one excellent way to start with this dance of interplay, of symbiosis, of receiving and giving with humility and gratitude. And that is the beautiful practice of simply breathing with a plant. Susan Weed calls it or says that every breath is a giveaway dance with the plants. And what that really is tapping into is every breath that we exhale is is air that the plants want to inhale, need to inhale that carbon dioxide, that is their oxygen. And then they release oxygen and that is our breath. That is what we need to breathe in. So it's this beautiful interplay between the two of us. And if you simply just sit with a plant, even if it's a house plant, if it's winter where you are or a tree um, or in the summertime, whatever plant or in a garden, just sit and breathe in and realize you're breathing in and being nourished by the plant's breath and breathe out. And in so doing, you are giving nourishment and breath to the plants around you. You're actually inhaling their exhale and they're inhaling your exhale. It's so beautiful. There are different aspects to learning and developing relations with the plants. So as I said, we'll be talking about them through the next few podcasts. But I believe ultimately that it starts with a paradigm shift, a shift of our mind, a shift of our way of thinking, and therefore our way of relating to the plants and to what is around us. In my opinion, to be in right relationship with medicinal plants, it takes a shift, and speaking specifically of medicinal plants, it takes a shift away from our current cultural medical model and way of viewing medicine. And I think that's helpful to be able to do that, if not totally necessary. So our current medical model that we, our generations have grown up with um, our parents and our grandparents' generations, or at least mine, so I'm in my 40s, um, has really considered the scientific tradition of healing as the best and the dominant one. And the scientific tradition of healing is one that measures and fixes. So it will measure a person's statistics and body function markers and compare them to a set of numbers that are considered a healthy average. And then if we fall outside of what's considered the healthy average, then we're given medicine that will move us back in a specific direction that puts us within those desired numbers. So this can be quite effective as we've seen. So if we go to a doctor and we're not feeling well, they're gonna take a lot of measurements. They're gonna measure our cholesterol, our blood pressure, our blood sugar, our uh, 
I don't know, you name it, they're going to take all kinds of different measures depending on what is ailing you. And then they're going to compare that to what is considered healthy. And if you fall outside of that range, then they'll give you a pharmaceutical drug that has a specific and direct action that will bring you closer to the range that they want you in. And I want to say I'm not against science. I think there's so much value in it. And I'm also not against the scientific tradition. There is a time and place for that as well. But if that's the only way that we view medicine, and that's the only way that we can comprehend and understand medicine, and then we try to take that paradigm and put it on top of plant medicine or plant healing or plant wisdom, it's, it doesn't really work. It leads to a lot of misunderstanding and misuse of plants. I remember in college, I was in a religious studies class and there was a discussion about a point versus a wave. And that it was very hard for science to actually study a wave because a wave is always in motion. Just as life, we're always moving and changing and they're so dynamic. And as soon as you wanna really study and understand that, science wants to halt it so you can get a good look at it. And as soon as you halt a wave, it changes and turns into a point which is something that's very different, if not opposite than a wave. And so when I was learning this, I was like, oh, of course. And so science, when they want to study life, so often they have to kill whatever they're studying and take it apart and look at it piece by piece. And that does have a lot of value and benefit, but in doing so, we lose the life. And so we can't study an aspect of this that's like, you know, ever changing and super complex and super dynamic to understand it. We try to take it apart into pieces and it doesn't give us the full picture. And we might not ever be able to fully comprehend the full picture because it is so complex and dynamic and in constant flux and variation, which is what life is. So we have to ask ourselves, like, what is medicine and how does it work? And the definition needs to broaden outside of a pharmaceutical drug paradigm if we're to understand or even glimpse an understanding of how the complex and varied nature of medicinal plants work with our bodies, which are also extremely complex and varied within ourselves from moment to moment, from season to season, and and absolutely from person to person. You must understand and get to know to build a relationship with a plant in its whole form. And I think that this is what being in right relationship is. Really helps us to have an expansive thought process, um, including a depth of knowledge. And there's lots of ways to get to know a plant from as simple as breathing with it, Um, to studying it, to seeing what the science does say about it, to ingesting it in its whole form and seeing like how it reacts with your body, how its chemistry reacts with your chemistry at any given time. So I think it's really important to get to know a plant. And if you can, to get to know the living plants that grow near you. And I think this is a lot of importance of 
what is now called bioregional herbalism, which essentially is just connecting with the plants that grow all around you, that grow right outside your door. And we can develop relationships much better with these plants. The opposite of this is of this act of right relationship is when we decide we want to take herbal medicine and we go to a pharmacy or an herbal pharmacy and we buy a plastic container filled with capsulated powdered dry herb material. Um, you can even get them where they're standardized extracts where they're basically pretending to be drugs and or they are drugs and taking that and in that sense you don't eat, you don't taste the herb because it's encapsulated you don't know what it looks like you might not even know or feel the effects from it immediately and that is definitely the most dangerous way to ingest herbs so drugs in that paradigm drugs have a direction of action and herbs have a sphere of action due to their complex nature, especially when they're taken in their whole forms. Many herbs help to move us closer to a state of homeostasis. Instead of having a direct action that can push us in, in specific ways, even if it's away from homeostasis. A lot of people think that homeostasis is balance. So our goal is to become more balanced. We want to balance our hormones or balance our emotions or balance our diet or, you know, it, the, where a lot of times in herbal medicine, the goal is balance. And I'd like to shift from that and say that the goal is seeking homeostasis. And homeostasis is more of when, you're, when your body is Maybe you could even consider it your body is in right relationship to itself, um, where the cells and the actions within your body are are working harmoniously. But they're not. It's not a stasis. It's not a still point. Again, it's a wave, or I like to think of it as a spiral. So you see these spirals that as they move, they kind of they can look like they're still, or you can look at them and it looks like they're moving up or down. And so it's constant motion, but within a center point, within a center range, a centered range, you could say. And when we think of balance, if you think of a balance beam or a, or a teeter-totter, when it's perfectly in balance, what's it doing? It's not moving at all. It's totally still. It's a straight line. And there's you know, a child sitting on one end and a child sitting on the other end. And when they're trying to seek balance, they might go up and down, up and down, slowly, slowly, until they eventually reach the still point. But in life, there is no still point. That is the point that immediately precedes the end of life. Just like when we measure a wave, when it goes still, it turns into a point and that is no longer a wave. So homeostasis is seeking um, health in a centered way that is still alive and moving <clears throat> and vibrant and like a dance. And balance is seeking a perfection, a, a one 
still moment in time. And I think we know that that is really unachievable and maybe not even what we want to achieve. So forever, when we are always seeking balance, we're kind of seeking something that's unachievable. And that can be really difficult. So I'd like to say, let's start seeking homeostasis. And let's think about that and how that relates to right relationship with our own body, right relationship with the living world, and right relationship with the plants that grow around us and how we can work symbiotically, what we can offer to the plants and then what we can also receive to the plants, from the plants. All right, so we're gonna dive deeper into right relationship as the time goes, but now I would like to shift to our herbal ally of the week, which is rosemary. And oh, rosemary, such a common herb. You can find it in any grocery store. You can find it in your own spice cabinet. And it's highly medicinal and also wonderfully culinary. It's actually, you know, if you think about the Mediterranean diet is touted as being one of the healthiest in the world. And I I have to think that one of those reasons is because of rosemary being a major component of the diet. Rosemary is native to Mediterranean regions, especially the warm, rocky coastlines of the Mediterranean Sea, both both in the Southern Europe and also in the North African coastline. And its botanical name is Rosmarinus officinalis. Well, that was what it used to be called. Now its botanical name, its most recent botanical name has turned to Salvia Rosmarinus. So let's break that down a little bit because I love botanical names. I think that they can tell us a lot about the plant. So Rosmarinus is uh, derived from Latin, which means dew of the sea. And if we think about rosemary and where it was growing on these rocky cliffs and how it was probably like beautifully covered with you know dewy mists from the Mediterranean Sea. And officinalis, whenever an herb has the species name officinalis, it marks that it was the herb that was written in the medical text. It was the official species that was used for medicine of these plants. So Rosmarinus officinalis. But recently it's been changed to Salvia Rosmarinus and Salvia is the genus of sage plants. So I find that really interesting. They took rosemary out of its own genus, probably because there aren't many species. Um, I don't know if there are any other species of rosemary other than officinalis. That'd be something interesting to look into. Um, Surely there might be because there is, or maybe they're cultivars because there's climbing ones and upright ones and different colored flower ones. But the salvia now puts rosemary in the sage genus. And now both sage and rosemary are in the mint family. And they all have very similar flowers that are classic of mint family plants. And then the name rosemary, the common name rosemary, um, the story goes that I found in relation to this is that it honors the Virgin Mary and that the Spaniards um, believed that when Mary was traveling through Egypt and needing to protect herself, she would 
There was a time where she took Harbor underneath a rosemary bush to hide, to, to be protected and guarded. And she laid her blue cloak on the rosemary bush that had white flowers. And then when she removed the cloak, when she after the plant had saved her, and she went on her way, the flowers had turned to blue. And that gave Rosemary the name Rose of Mary, the flower of Mary, which I think is, I think is beautiful. Historically, Rosemary, oh man, so much history and so much folklore. And <clears throat> so some highlights that I'd like to share in this podcast are, you know, it's always been known for, for I believe, for as long as humans have connected with this plant or been in right relationship with this plant, just by smelling the plant, you know that it awakens the mind and the senses and can help the brain function better. And so the ancient Greek students would wear rosemary garlands around their neck and sprigs braided into their hair that would help enhance their studies. And they'd sleep with it under their pillows to improve their memories as they slept. So it's always it's been considered the herb of remembrance for a very long time. And due to this, it was used in ceremonies that remembrance is a key component of both in ceremonies of death. It was um, often put into graves as a symbol that the dead would not be forgotten. In ancient Egypt, rosemary was placed in the tombs to remember the dead or used in bouquets as funeral flowers and also um, utilized in embalming practices of that time. Rosemary was an herb that was also used symbolically in wedding ceremonies. It was thought to help couples remember their vows and remain faithful to each other. And it was often entwined in a bride's head wreath and incorporated into bouquets and given as gifts as to guests as symbols of friendship and to help remember this beautiful experience of matrimony. Really, really beautiful. It was also strewn on the floors of French churches and cathedrals so that people, when they walked on the floors, they would crush the rosemary and the scent would be released and it would help, you know, bring them into a centered, aware state, which would help bring people in, you know, to shift the, the mind and get ready for the spiritual experience in the churches and cathedrals. And it was also commonly um, used in Christmas times for to be as decorations along with the holly, the bay, and the mistletoe. And so was also um, used in, during midnight mass on Christmas Eve in the churches strewn on the floors. And it was in France, it was one of the oldest incenses that was burned not only in ceremonies and in churches and cathedrals, but it was also burned in hospitals to sanitize the air. And a French name for it is incensier, or pardon my, my non-French accent on that, but a word essentially meaning incense. And it was really seen as a protector, and it would be hung, as many herbs were, hung on doors and in 
walkways and around the house and around cradles and under pillows and under beds to protect people from whatever evils may be coming in or or that might be entering in through dream time and to prevent nightmares. One of the main active constituents of rosemary is the volatile oil, the essential oil. And it was really, it's known as a cure-all herb. It has so many actions across the body, and we really don't have time, unfortunately, to get into them all here now. But um, basically helpful for our cardiovascular system, increasing circulation, especially for people with chronically cold hands and feet. It helps to strengthen fragile blood vessels and varicose veins and spider veins and just a general heart tonic helps to moderate blood pressure. Again, um, very beneficial for the scalp and the hair and because it brings circulation to the head. And that is one reason why it's so beneficial for our mind as well, bringing oxygen and blood and nutrition to our brain. Really excellent for helping our immune system to fight all types of infections, bacterial, viral, fungal infections, very strongly antimicrobial. And that is the volatile oil that is in the plant that does that. Helpful for, you know, fighting uh, canker sores or viruses and microbes in the mouth. Some people would make like tooth powder to brush your teeth with, or maybe rinse with a little uh, watered down tincture of rosemary really helpful for pain relief. So a lot of times people would infuse it in a topical oil and rub it um, to release tense joint pain and tense muscle pain and even gout pain. But beneficial for our digestion, it's a warming bitter. And so it can help warm up the digestion and get the whole action of digestion going and moving in the body. And also connected to that, because it's a warming bitter, it supports liver function. It also supports our urinary function and is a really strong antioxidant and has excellent anti-cancer properties, a cancer cell destroyer, um, as well as inhibiting tumor growth. So, and that is in its whole plant form because they were, you know, again, in science, they were like, oh, well, you know, we see that rosemary has this action. Let's take it apart and see what specific piece of rosemary has this action. And as they did that, they found, and this was done at Rutgers University, um, that rosemary inhibited the growth processes by or up to 90%, 99% the growth processes of tumors. And that was most effective in a whole plant extract versus a standardized extract of individual constituents. Again, because they found that there were at least two constituents and surely there are more that were effective in this, in this action. And in this case, the sum is greater than the parts. Also really beneficial for our respiratory system, if you're fighting a lung infection, it was a traditional herb that was smoked. It was often combined with a more mild tasting herb like coltsfoot leaves. You could probably also combine it with mullen leaves to make a nice smoking blend to help open the lungs, especially in cases of asthma or chronic bronchitis, or even it was helped to relieve sore throats. 
as a smoke. Um, and then because of its antioxidant and astringent nature, it's excellent for any sort of cosmetic, hair, skin. I make a really lovely face mask. I call it the Orange Rosemary Refresher. And I take orange pulp and I put it in a blender with some oats and a bunch of rosemary, fresh rosemary, and blend it all up so it makes this goopy paste. And then I just um, you know, rub it on my face and let it sit for five minutes or so until it starts to um, really bring circulation and blood flow to the skin and tighten the cells and tighten the pores. And you just, you rinse it off and you just feel cooled and refreshed and your skin feels soft and taut. It's really lovely. Great anti-inflammatory and... Um, yeah, so anti-inflammatory both for as a tea and a tincture and in food. And as we know, inflammation leads to so many health concerns in our world today. It is pretty wild. Okay, and there's lots of different ways we can work with it. Um, if you want to learn more, you can check out my Patreon, Solidago Herb School, and I'm going to have class notes up on that that go deeper into the podcast information. And for signing up for Patreon, you will get a free um, ebook that's all about rosemary because I've really enjoyed delving deep into rosemary and all of its benefits. Um, so quickly in the kitchen, um, I'd like to talk about making a cranberry rosemary shrub. And a shrub is essentially a vinegar, a sweetener, and a fruit that is infused together. Now, I love to add herbs to my shrubs, and I think that can really add dynamic of flavor. And so what I like to do is I take vinegar that I have pasteurized, which helps with the shelf life. So I'll just take vinegar and I'll bring it to a boil, in a non-reactive metal, so you don't want a metal pot, you want a non-reactive pot, like a glass Pyrex pot or a ceramic lined cast iron pot. Bring your rosemary up, your, sorry, <laughs> your vinegar up to a boil, bring it back down to room temperature, and it's ready to go. And then you wanna freeze your cranberries first because they will extract so much better from being frozen because you've already burst the cell walls, which will make everything in those cell walls much more readily available for extraction. And you want some honey and then some fresh or dried rosemary. Fresh is always best. And I layered, I chopped up my frozen cranberries and my rosemary and I layered them in a jar, whatever size jar you want. And then fill that jar uh, two thirds full with vinegar, apple cider vinegar that you've pasteurized. And is that room temperature? And then top the whole jar off with honey. And even if your honey is solidified, it's okay, just put it in there. And in time, it will meld with the vinegar and liquefy. And just cover it. Um, again, vinegar reacts with metal and will rust a metal lid. So you either wanna use a food safe plastic lid or put a layer of wax paper or parchment paper, unbleached ideally, in between the lid and the jar. So you'll fill your jar, then you'll place a square of parchment paper over the jar and then put the lid over and twist. 
and you'll still get a pretty tight seal in doing that. And then just let it sit out of the sun for four to six weeks and then you can strain it and you can enjoy it by the spoonful. You can put it in marinades, you can put it in dressings, you can put it in uh, tea, you can put it in bubbly water, you can put it in cocktails, you know, however you want to enjoy it, you'll be, you'll be good to go. So I hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and that's all I have for you today. And until next week, be well and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.